This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. I just found out something. I just I just made a declaration outside, Brock. This hour is driven by Wayscar Ford. I'm going to take G. Scott to a hockey game. He's never been. I took you. Did I take you to your first hockey game? Down in Arizona? Ooh. It was either there or Wassel and I drove through a rainstorm oh, that to was, watch Vancouver. Yeah, that did happen. But I Calgary. think the first one was in. No, I think. Mm. You think you went up to Vancouver first? Well, and I know, it, you know, when I was young, it's amazing now to think back to the things that we did as kids right. that our parents allowed. We did the Canadian Soccer Exchange. And I know there's parents right now listening, and they're like, yeah, I remember that with our kids. I went and stayed with a strange Canadian family. No idea who they were. Huh. So our whole yeah, soccer foreign, team did. Student? Yeah. No, but our whole soccer team went up to Canada. It's not that weird. People do that stuff all the time. For a weekend. Stayed two yeah. nights with this family we had never met before. No, they don't do it all the time. I don't know. Knock it off. I think they do. I did no, you would not. All right. You know what? Jerry DePoto is here. I'm not going to argue about this with right. you. Jerry, good morning. How are you? The Jerry DePoto Show. Presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. I got carried away. Jerry, good morning. How are you? Excellent. Hopefully I can settle your argument. No, you don't want to. You don't want any part of this. Would you just send your kids away for two to three days with complete strangers you never met before? I've done it a million times. No, I, 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 I guess everything's contextual. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, you have babysitters. Anyway, yeah. Jerry, uh, Saturday was a remarkable experience. Uh, 18 innings. First playoff game here in in twenty years. I want to talk through everything that that you guys spoke about yesterday, et cetera. But just to reflect back on Saturday, another one hundred shove score, a, a second in in just four games, really, or I guess five games. The the pitching that we saw all day on Saturday, and it was on both sides, it was just remarkable and. You know, that's what playoff baseball looks like. And, and our players, the experience that we gained through the, the playoffs, the two rounds, seeing what we did, making the big comeback in Toronto, but most especially seeing what the bar looks like for or what we need to hop over in order to achieve what we want to achieve in 23. It was a great experience. Do, does the Shep report take into account the shadows? Because it, it yeah, looked it does, like it does not. It does not. Because that had to be a little harder, right, for the hitters in, in that situation. I mean, it was a unbelievably beautiful day, as you said to me when I brought up the ridiculous idea, of, you know, a couple weeks ago about maybe closing the roof on a gorgeous day like that. Um, you were like, "No, that's that's what baseball is all about. You're not going to close the roof." But dealing with those shadows in an afternoon game, you think that contributed to some of the struggles on both sides hitting the ball. Uh, it, you know, it may have. It, I'm, I don't have to hit, so it's hard for me to really say that, <laughs> that it was. Uh, but I'm looking at it, and, you know, George Kirby is throwing George Kirby stuff to George Kirby's locations, and Lance McCullers has one of the best breaking balls on earth. And it's it all lined up. And, and whether it was a struggle while the shadows were, were, I guess, in play, the shadows were out of play for most of the game. And, and, you know, by the end we were playing in the dark. <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, it wasn't really a shadow issue. It was more of an awesome pitching issue. And, and yeah, it, it, while it could have been a factor in the early going, I don't think it defined the way the game was going to go. Starting to to think about where you guys go now moving forward. And it was, it was great to listen to you and, and Scott and Justin yesterday for about an hour talking through where the team is at. It, it sounds pretty clear that you would like to upgrade your offense. How do you do that? 
You know, there, there are a couple of spots. I mean, obviously, right now, the, our corner outfield positions are, are somewhat unsettled, and, and how that combines with designated hitter is, is still something of a, of a question. We have second base, as Adam Frazier, along with Mitch, is a, is a free agent. So, you know, those are the obvious spaces where we can focus on adding some offense. And, you know, and I said this yesterday, you know, to, to some extent tried to allude to it. it one of the, the most thankless things you can be is an offensive player who plays their home games in Seattle right now. It's, we, if you take park adjusted numbers into consideration, our offense actually does a lot of really good things. And, you know, outside of bat for average, which is in a lot of ways is not something we pay a, a ton of attention to, you know, we do follow the, the more advanced metrics and, and when you neutralize statistics or, or adjust them for our ballpark, our environment, et cetera, our, our offense actually stands up as something slightly above the league average. And so while we do want to add more impact to our offense and create more length in our lineup and become more threatening, you know, we weren't a, a bottom of the, the barrel offense. And I, and I think that's a, a story that has generally started to be told. We had a really rough 18 innings, but – we were the same team that going into that game, I think, was sporting a 900 OPS in the postseason. So we do some interesting things. We just like to get a little bit more impactful. I'm curious, Jerry, how much the impending rule changes affect some of the impending decisions that you make with those offensive players. Uh, you know, the, the rule changes, the one that's going to be most, I guess, that we will pay attention to the most is the shifting change. And uh, it's going to change the way you might look at an offensive player. You know, a, a hitter's style is, is now comes into play a little bit more than it used to. And also your middle infielders range, you know, for, for many years now we have been, I mean, for well over a decade, we've been in an era where your second baseman can just go play the high point and an overshift and, and it really hides the fact that you don't have uh, the, the the right left range. You know, of the back in the day when you used to see the the Chico leans and the the Robbie Alomar's floating around from side to side. But uh, that'll be more of a consideration this year. Is not necessarily the offensive package, but when you're putting someone out at second base, can they cover the land? Because without the the advantage of standing out in the grass, it's a, it does change the way defense is going to look. Jerry, when you think, I mean, we've spent a while, a lot of time on this show kind of talking through what it means to be a Mariner and being hard to play against and all that. How, how what do you think it means right now to be a Mariner? Uh, I think you probably saw it in, in all its glory on Saturday night. You know, it's the grind. It's the never give up. You know, we, we came back to Seattle down 2-0. And what I would call, you know, two heartbreaking losses. You know, those were very difficult games to lose for for everyone, for for our players, for our staff, our fan base, and to come back down 0-2 and to fight the way we did when we got back to Seattle and and take that game 18 innings. It, it was that's the heart and soul and how we do things and and it's shown up for us throughout the year. It's been in the, a, a, an ongoing evolution with this team and this roster since most of these players were, were coming through our minor league system. 
and and it's become our personality. And and I think that's the the thing that gets lost sometimes in professional sports is is that teams that endear themselves to to the fan base, teams that accomplish special things, they all have a special personality. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I think this team has a special personality, and that's it. That they they fight and they don't give up. Yeah, and that personality connects with the fan base, right? And and you just see those two. Uh, just go hand in hand as we did this season. I am curious along those lines. You said it's been an evolution over time. Was there a moment or two that really stand out to you? Uh, Ryan Davis was on with us earlier this week and talked about in the midst of that 14-game winning streak, right after being 10 games below 500. And I think it was a grand slam that, that Julio hit in Texas that he pointed to down a number of people. And Julio's obviously star emerged, but guys just all picked each other up. You know, they started to grind together through that and in it, a, a, just an epic 14 game winning streak. Was there a moment or two, though, for you, Jerry, where you were like, yep, this cemented that personality of this team? You know, this and this is going to predate when all of the, the real magic started for our team. But, you know, the, the first of those moments happened. We were playing a, a midseason game with the Oakland A's, and it was during the very brief Justin Upton era. And, uh, Justin, great guy, did have an impact on our clubhouse well beyond what you would see on a stat sheet and for as short a time as he was here. But he had a huge pinch hit home run off of the A.J. Puck. And it just changed that we, we wound up coming back and winning that game where we had nothing going offensively. Uh, I think we won the game 2-1. to one, and, and then we started playing like we played the rest of the year. And you know, not too long after that in the series against Toronto, the, the home runs that Carlos Santana hit in that series to create that, you know, the, the momentum, the, the 14 game streak was awesome. I don't remember uh, a higher time in our regular season than when we went through that four game set at home with Toronto because they were all winnable games for the Blue Jays and we found a way and we found a way while we were banged up and we had guys on the sideline and those home runs that Carlos delivered really stood out to me and, and in so many ways the it's you could pick big moments throughout the season that you won't forget but those were real drivers for me from a momentum perspective Jerry you mentioned yesterday uh, that Jesse Winker had knee surgery and that there was a potential neck surgery coming as well what was the knee injury what what, what was the surgery for yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed to really go into those things, to be honest with you. And HIPAA. It's called HIPAA laws. He had, HIPAA. <laughs> yeah, he had a knee surgery on the 11th of October in New York. Spent six days in New York while we were on our playoff train. And and while I I do understand some of the frustrations that surround uh, Jesse's season, it, the, he didn't have the kind of season he wanted to have or that we expected. But he was dealing with the knee. It, it is not a potential surgery that he's waiting for on his neck. It's an actual surgery. So, you know, he was dealing with, with real issues that not a lot of people around the club and even the players in the clubhouse were aware of because that's not stuff that you naturally share every day. So, you know, it was, uh, it was unfortunate that, that it, it got the train got a little out of control there, but you know, Jesse's a good player who didn't have a particularly good year. And, and he was dealing with some physical ailments along the way. And, you know, we urged him to have the knee surgery when he did because the neck was going to keep him on the IL. And we thought it made the most sense to get it done now so that he can recover and be back and ready to go. So do those injuries play a role, Jerry, in some of the other conversation about pregame work 
extra work, weight room work, you know, the things that, that go into the grind of a season? Did those injuries over the course of the year, in your in your opinion, affect the amount of then preparation and work Jesse could put in? You know, I have to be honest with you. I feel like that's just sideline gossip. In in all honesty, that's a those are those are that's commentary that exists outside of of our offices. And you know, I can't really control other people's opinions, players' opinions. They're free to speak the way they would like to speak, but I don't have to follow up. So what does what does a good year from Jesse look like next year? I mean, what can you guys do to get him back on track to being the player that he was in Cincinnati? I, I don't know why it would change. You know, as I said yesterday during our presser, Jesse's 28 years old. You know, he's, he has historically been not just a good major league hitter, an excellent major league hitter. And, you know, his, his adjusted statistics are as, as – consistent he's a metronome offensively he just he gets on base he slugs we didn't see that and some of it is reflect he's, his pitch selection his ability to identify what to swing at what to take his walk percentage all these things are very similar if not better than they've ever been so his process was very good unfortunately what we saw was a, a decreased bat speed and a decreased exit velocity and a decreased exit angle you know that that affected the result and I know Scott alluded yesterday to some early season bad luck with balls that he hit to the warning track that may have otherwise been out of a ballpark and while I'm sure that frustrated Jesse you know there's underlying information to suggest you know those issues that I just mentioned you know were were relative their strength-based issues that I think can easily be chalked up to you know struggling through injury and and I would also add that Jesse played more than he's ever played in his career, uh, whether it was through need because we needed him to face lefties because we were shorthanded or the fact that we wanted to give him that opportunity to go out there and, and, and get it done. And he wanted to show that he could be an everyday player rather than simply a, a high-end platoon. And, and a lot of the factors that drove what was, you know, probably the worst full season of his, of his major league career. And, but all the underlying information suggests if we can get him back to, you know, a healthy, strong base, then all of the results should start to flow like they always have. Well, I sure appreciate your transparency. Uh, you were yesterday, you and Justin and Scott through it. I was telling Salk earlier that one of the things I always remembered in my NFL brief career was every year we had exit interviews and you'd sit down with your position coach and then sometimes a head coach coordinator and you walk through, this is where you are. This is your role this season. And, and here's kind of a game plan for what we need from you this off season coming into, coming into uh, training in the off season. Uh, do you guys individually have those exit interviews with all the players on your team, Jerry? Does that happen in baseball? So what, yeah, what you just described, I went through in my career, you know, and in baseball, the way it would happen, it wasn't at the you know, formal interview. A manager or a pitching coach would pull you by the back pocket and walk you out into the right center field and talk to you for two minutes about your offseason. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we've, this, uh, you know, may ring a bell for, for you guys. That we do that, you know, roughly around the clock. That's our BVY program. And, and you know, we want our players to constantly be at, be in, in tune with what the best version of, of them looks like. And, you know, we'll do regular check-ins and sometimes it's Scott, sometimes it's a positional coach. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a, it's a coordinator of some kind. 
We do it up and down our organization, and we'll do it through the offseason. You know, each of our guys will, will spend time on a Zoom or a phone call with their special specialty coach or and or some combination visit with that coach and Scott. And that's how we generally do it is, you know, it's not really the end of the season for us. It's just that our 162 game and playoff for 2022 is over. It's just that we're transitioning into the next stage of the players' growth. What do you call that, BBY? Yeah, it's our BBY program. It's uh, something we've been doing for the last six years. And, and uh, back in 2018, 19, uh, we, started, we started to, uh, I guess, transition it from, you know, an organizational program where it was being done in the minor leagues. As our young players started to graduate, we, we allowed the program to run with them. And now all of our players do it. Jerry, what, what do you think happened with, with Ty France down the stretch? I mean, after over a year, a couple of years of, of him being your most consistent hitter, he just didn't look quite the same in the last few months of this season. How, how concerned were you about that, and, and what do you think happened? You know, I don't think very concerned. Is, uh, Ty's always been a terrific hitter, and, and for whatever reason, he didn't have a great second half. Uh, we've we've talked about this a little bit before. I do think that there was a, a period of time in there where he got he got so conscious of the, the ball running in on him that, that he just started to, to drift open and swing at bad pitches. And, you know, any type of slump is almost always going to be predicated by the pitches that you swing at. And the same as your successes. You know, if you swing at good pitches, your likelihood uh, of success is much, much higher. And, and Ty swung at much worse pitches for the, the bulk of the second half of the season. And, and I'm not really concerned by that because, you know, Ty is generally a field-to-hit guy. He's not a big walker. You know, he's, he, he sees the ball, he sees it over the plate, and he hits it. And, and he finds his open space. There's, he was as banged up as anybody. And you could, you could probably, uh, I guess, tell from the, the presser yesterday, coming down the stretch, and again, this is, this is uh, about the, the character, the grind, the, the, the fight in this team. We had so many small under-the-hood injuries that nobody was aware of, that, that players were grinding through and playing through, that, that frankly, Mariners teams of the past, those players would have just signed off and, and we'll see it in 2023. And these guys just kept fighting through. And, and the result was we got to the postseason. And Ty helped us get there. And, and I'm sure that starting in spring training, we'll see the same Ty France that we've always seen, which is just a good hitter. When you say he was banged up, was that his wrist still lingering at all? Oh, it's the wrist, and I don't. You know, you don't get hit by pitches as frequently as Ty gets hit by pitches, which is for him, it's a skill. You know, he getting hit by a pitch is a skill, and and when you get hit as often as he does, it really bangs you up. The 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 body, the bruises, the aches and the pains, and you know, I I don't know what it's like to play quarterback in the NFL, but if you're Ty France, I bet he has a better idea than we do. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's. It's it's hard. Well, not today's NFL, Jerry. Let's be clear. Okay, they can't really <laughs> hit him in today's NFL. But the NFL that you watched with Anthony Munoz and crew, yeah, where they pile drive <laughs> guys into the ground. Uh, that NFL, those QBs certainly uh, certainly knew it. Hey, what is a qualifying offer for our audience to help understand in all of this? And what is the time frame with that with Mitch? So, uh, the qualifying offer on its own. The club can issue a qualifying offer to any pending free agent player. And the player then has 10 days to accept or decline the, that offer. And 
the this year's qualifying offer it's, it is nineteen point six five million dollars. So you know, essentially, like in the NFL, it would be like it's like hanging a tag on a player, a franchise tag or or the like. You know, and it's a one year agreement, and then the player goes back to market next year. If the player turns it down, the club gets a compensatory draft pick at the end of the first round. And, you know, that's the the, the timing of that is mid-November uh, is when we will get to, to the QO stage and, and all free agents are eligible. When you talk Once to- you've been issued a QO, you can't be issued a QO for a second time. Right. It's another unique aspect. Gotcha. Hey, when you uh, when you talked about sort of the corner outfield spots being being possibilities, along with the DH of of finding ways to improve the offense, it made this sort of a broad question, but it, it makes me wonder about Jared Kelnick and and how you not what you expect out of him next year, but how much you can count on and 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 assume what you're going to get from him next year. Uh, as you think about free agency and then also whether Julio is set in stone in center field, or is there a scenario in which he becomes a corner outfielder again? Uh, I, I, I can't imagine what that scenario is in, in terms of Julio not playing center field. I think he did a wonderful job and uh, there's a, Julio. Julio will be starting for us in the outfield next year. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's the way that'll work. But uh, my my guess is that he will be starting in center field because I think he showed that he can be an impact center fielder and and the the relative offense that he provides from that position is huge. Um, as far as the corners go, obviously with Mitch leaving as a free agent, uh, that's that opens up one spot and the other spot was very much a revolving door for us throughout the year with Wink with with Dylan Moore with Sam Haggerty with Taylor Trammell. And with Jared Kelnick and, you know, if we're heading into this off season, you know, Julio is etched in, he's, he's in stone as a, as a starter for us in the outfield. And, and like we have in recent years, but especially going into last year, we're going to view that outfield as, as a crew. And it, it could be four, it could be five. Uh, let's count five and six as guys like Demo and, and Sam Haggerty. And our goal would be to put four outfielders together that give you a nice balance of right and left hand bats that give you the ability to move around positions and that would play the outfield and share the, the DH position on days when they're, when they're not playing defense. And, and, you know, frankly, and, and ideally we see Jesse Winker as, as, that guy as, as part of the reason why we would like to, to, to build the outfield setup in that way, which was the intent when we acquired him. And then all of the other guys got hurt and Jesse wound up playing left field every day, which was putting a lot of burden on him and not ideal for his own productivity. So that's the way we see it working with the outfielders. We do see Cal as a part of that. I think he showed very good things at the end of the regular season. And I thought his at bats against Toronto and the first pinch hit at bat he took against the Astros in Houston, you know, really good. And, you know, his final day wasn't the best day of the season, but there was a lot of positive things that led up to that. Hey, Jerry, I just want to clarify because uh, uh, we wanted to know exactly what you mean there and, and instantly got a few texts as well. Did you just say Mitch is leaving due to free agency or that that's a possibility that you have to at least account for? Well, Mitch is a free agent. I'm 100% certain Mitch is a free agent. We'll right. file for free agency and we'll see what's available to him in the market. So 
Uh, whether whether or not he leaves has yet to be determined, but he is eligible for free agency and will take advantage of the market. And Nothing you, will happen before free agency. And do you have a, I don't know that you know this yet but or we're, are willing to say it yet, but would you make a qualifying offer to him? There's I not only would I not say it that would that would tip our hand far too. <laughs> Good try. I mean, I didn't Good think try. you were going to uh, say it, but I, again, I just want to make sure people right. out there yeah. understand because when yeah. they hear you say, "Well, with Mitch leaving in free agency," I think people, uh, uh, you know, hear that and assume he's gone and that he wouldn't be back. Just to clarify, he is now a free agent. He files for free agency, but that doesn't mean he couldn't return to the Mariners either on a qualifying offer or on another deal. That is correct. Mitch Mitch is eligible for free agency. He will file for free agency a couple of days after the World Series, which okay. is the, the standard. You know, in the meantime, we have the ability to continue our, our discussions with Mick or Mitch or or develop that rhetoric. I can assure you that this will this will move to free agency. And you know, that is that is something we've been aware of for quite some time and and we, as Justin alluded to in yesterday's presser, you know, we love Mitch. He's been he's been a, a driver of building a process in our clubhouse. He's, you know, he works as hard as anybody in the league. He's dealt with a lot of unfortunate injuries, and you know, and he's built up. He put in his time and and developed his his credibility as a major league player, and deserves the opportunity that that he gave himself, which is to go find out what the market will bear for him and. You know, we maintain interest. I think he has interest in coming back here, but I wouldn't call it a slam dunk. You, uh, you got to run. We got to run. Do you get a day or two? Please tell me a week. <laughs> do you get? To, uh, Pete goes on his uh, paddleboard in Hawaii and goes. You know, Coach Carroll gets lost for a week. Do you, can you please tell me you get some time off here? Uh, I had Sunday off, and, <laughs> you know, and then we got back after. We we, we have uh, you know so much goes into the the roles that we play in the organization and you know right now we have uh, all of our employees 176 baseball operations employees their contracts uh, generally expire on, on October 31st so as soon as our season ended uh, Justin and I got cracked in with our directors and, and trying to get everybody's contracts taken care of and and making sure that uh, our systems were set up we've got HP camp going on in Arizona for 50 of our minor league players. We've got Dominican summer extended. Okay, there's no time off. I get it. Okay, okay. All right, good. We do what well, we do. Get back to work. All right, well, hopefully you get to spend a night or two just, you know, you and Mrs. DePoto hanging out, you know, getting to reconnect after the season and whoa, maybe go whoa. on vacation. Go, whoa, whoa. Stop. I, you know, just seeing your family. That sounds like a nice thing. Don't be dirty, Brock. Yeah, That's we disgusting. Went to, we went to watch the Kraken on Monday. We had a nice glass of wine. There you and, go. And then Good. The Good. Jerry, uh, thank you. It's been a heck of a year and a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad we're going to keep doing this. Congratulations uh, from all of us. It was a heck of a season for us to watch. It was an amazing experience seeing this team finally make the postseason. And then to win a series the way they did against Toronto and the, and the excitement of the Houston series. Thank you. It was uh, It was a lot of fun. And congratulations. Thanks, guys. It was for us, too. Really appreciate it.